Amber Alert for a little girl in Saskatchewan has been expanded into... We were sitting outside, we heard him shooting. He's now facing 15 charges. In eight of Canada's 13 provinces and territories, crime is up. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Shelley. And welcome to another episode of True North Crime. Yep. <laughs> Should I even bother saying at this point we're going to discuss Canadian crime and uh, the legal and, aspects of it? Yeah. People yeah. should know that by now. I maybe, guess. No, so. maybe, you know what? There could be new people every week and we should not exclude them. Why are we kidding ourselves? There's not new people every week. <laughs> new bots every week? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> How's it going? You're out west right now. Yes, I am in Calgary. Before, I was in Lake Louise last weekend for the World Cup ski race. So, I, obviously, I was not racing. <laughs> <laughs> so Coming at you from the women's downhill at Lake yeah. Louise. <laughs> but I was, yeah, but technically, I will plug the other podcast that I'm doing with my friend Wendy. Please so. do. Yeah, it's it's called Going Downhill, and we cover ski racing. And I have to say that the um, you might find my voice a little harsh this week because I totally lost it on the weekend, <laughs> and actually bruises on my arms from dancing with one of the U.S. team coaches. Oh. Fabulous dancer, but he like grabbed me at one point from behind to like hug me, and he just bruised the crap out of my arm. <laughs> oh my arm. god! He was, he was quite um, persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> So, but it was actually awesome. I mean, he's an awesome dancer. If you can make me look good on a dance floor, like you're you're a good dancer because I suck. <laughs> oh, nice. So yeah, so it's been good. I mean, I've been in, uh, yeah, just busy mostly with ski stuff, but and you know that that's the way the industry works. And um, well, it is winter time, so I should yeah. hope that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I and you guys are getting a snowstorm, I think, aren't you? Well, sort of. I wouldn't call it a storm. So it rained for two days. So all mm-hmm. the snow that had accumulated, um, a lot of it melted away. And then it snowed last night and then a good part of the day today, but actually didn't really amount to a whole lot because it was still quite warm. So, uh, yeah. Kind of like hit and melted? Pretty much. So you're still in that like gross dead period where like everything's kind of not really covered and it's wet and your shoes get wet and your feet get wet. Yeah. Well, we had a couple of days where it was like proper winter. And actually pretty cold, too. Yeah, that stuff is fun. I like that. And I, yeah, I'm fine with that. I have friends who aren't <laughs> or less fun. One of them, like, she moved from Germany where their winters are just kind of, like, wet and damp and chilly, but not, like, snow, like, bright sunny days where it's minus 27. Right. Uh, and then her boyfriend is Israeli, so... <laughs> He's right. Like, so miserable. <laughs> right. Yeah, those, those are people who need some winter hobbies. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I know I'm waiting for winter to set in for real. Other than that, I miss my dog. Oh. Yeah. But you FaceTimed with him today, so. I, I yesterday. Actually. <laughs> oh, yesterday. Yeah. It's like I did. You're FaceTiming with your dog. Yeah. And he's <laughs> the important thing. Like, I saw, he's like kind of like looking at the screen that my friend is showing me, but like I don't know if it's just a ruse. <laughs> I'm pretty. I I don't. I mean, your dog is clever, but I don't think he understands <laughs> FaceTime. 
No, but he's, he might, I don't know, he might recognize, he probably, well, the thing is, he might not recognize my voice right now, because it's not quite back to normal, but whatever. Right. Yeah, it's through a speaker and stuff. Anyway, so, so you chose this week's uh, crime. I sure like, did. Because it is kind of a, it's more of a, well, a cultural phenomenon that steps over criminal borders. Kind of. It's, it's about a crime that never happened. Yes. Which, Which is my favorite type of crime. It's fascinating. So this week... <laughs> so it's not about crime at all. <laughs> <don't>, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We are... <laughs> this is the wrong podcast. <laughs> the no crime podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Way to celebrate. Way to celebrate. <laughs> all right. So this week we are doing Satanic Panic. Which is my favorite kind of moral panic. <laughs> which which is your second favorite? Uh, I uh, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> political correctness. I don't know. <laughs> uh, just saying. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so. Satanic Panic is a moral panic which swept across North America in the 1980s and the early 1990s. It eventually made its way overseas and soon Satanists were performing their dark rituals in the UK and Australia. But perhaps the best known instances of Satanic Panic are the McMartin's preschool incident in California and then the Keller daycare uh, incident in Texas. Did this ring a bell for you at all? You know what? The Satanic Panic rang a bell just from the name of it, uh-huh. but I don't really, I don't think I remember any of this because. Really? Oh, it's fascinating. Well, because, well, it is fascinating, but like, honestly, when I was, I would have been like six to like kind of 12, 13 years old when this was a thing. Mm-hmm. And when I was 12 and 13, I had green hair and wore Metallica shirts and like skull rings and stuff. So you so, you were a Satanist. You I, would have well, been yeah, picked out I as was, a Satanist. I know, but for some reason, it was just one of those kids that hung out in Kensington Market. <laughs> Satanists everywhere in Kensington. Exactly. I don't. I don't think I ever <laughs> ran into that title. I was I was named a freak and had no friends, but. <laughs> <laughs> Is that better or worse? I, I don't know. Because, <laughs> I mean, I was I was all alone. Maybe oh. some Satanists would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll, I'll talk a little bit about McMartin. And I'll just save that for my counselor and my psychologist later. Sorry, perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, so the McMartin preschool trial ended in acquittal. So nobody got charged with anything. But the Kellers, way to ruin the beginning, <laughs> spent 21 years in prison for crimes that never happened. That's terrible. 21 years. Can you imagine? <sighs> Holy fuck. Okay. While the Satanic Panic originated in the United States, uh, the primary source for information about Satanic ritual abuse, which helped fuel the Satanic Panic fires, was a Canadian book called Michelle Remembers. Have you read this book? I have not read this book. I actually didn't know. Um, like, I'd heard of this book, but it was only, like, in recent years I learned about it and that this was sort of, like, the the spark for this Satanic like, Panic. 
this is kind of one of those problems that I have is like a moral dilemma. Like I want to read the book, but I don't want to support it if I buy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just what it's done. It's kind of like Dianetics. Like I want to read it, but I don't want to support Scientology. <laughs> you, I must have showed you this photo I took. I was in chapters. The, it does, the one that doesn't exist anymore. And um, <laughs> I know, right? Um, Scotiabank Theater in Toronto. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Um, so they had a shelf there that was, and the, on the bookshelf it said, most stolen books. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess they just kept track over the years of which books get stolen. And, and so they actually had a display. Of Dianetics? <laughs> and I don't, I don't remember Dianetics being on there. I think the Bible was on there. <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> I know, right? So it's like, so am I supposed to pay for these? Do you want me to steal them? I'm like, I'm like what should I do here? They have like a, they have like a camera like trained on it as everybody like shifty eyed looks around like <laughs> what's know, going right? on. <laughs> One of the books is an actual camera. You pull it out. It's got a camera in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was good. It was a good display. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Uh, okay. Yeah. Michelle remembers. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So in the book, the titular Michelle recalls suffering ritual satanic abuse as a child. Michelle Smith is a real person who grew up in Victoria. That's in British Columbia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And the book's author, Dr. Lawrence Pazder, was her psychiatrist. Uh, Michelle first started going to see uh, Dr. Pazder because she was suffering from depression. This Mm -hmm. is in the 70s. She went to go see him. Right. After a miscarriage, Michelle told Pazder, I always want to call him Padzer, but it's Pazder, okay. uh, that she had something she wanted to talk about, but she wasn't too sure what it was. And through a number of hypnosis sessions, Michelle revealed that she'd been a victim of ritual satanic abuse. Right. Yes. Okay, so here we go. Bad enough, she was locked in a cage, held in a basement, and a witness to rape and murder, including infanticide. Mm -hmm. But it was her own mother who gave her to the satanic cult. Mm -hmm. Michelle told a doctor she was initiated into the cult in 1954 when she was five years old. You're not mine anymore, Michelle, said her mom. You belong to the devil. So, you know, I'm sorry, but just from a he said, she said perspective and being a bit of a literal devil's advocate here, you get baptized when you're five and then you're like, you're in God's hands now. So, I mean, aside from the abuse factor, I mean, they they go early on these religious stuff. <laughs> but do you remember anything from when you were five? Yes, I do. Really well? Yes. What? What do you remember from when you were five? I remember my parents arguing (laughs) (laughs) and they got divorced at the end of the year. I like, I know I went to kindergarten. Oh, and I also remember getting Fred, my pound puppy at Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And that was when I was five. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last Christmas that we spent together. Way to bring this up, Rachel. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I did not mean to open a wound and then pour salt and lemon juice into it. I I got over that long ago, but I just don't think the listener really cares that much. Okay. So people can remember shit from when they were five. All right. Fine. (laughs) Trying to make a point and you shot me down. Thanks very much. Yeah, no problem. If it's trauma, you usually remember it. That's okay. <laughs> Fair enough. You're paying for my next session. 
<laughs> so Michelle recalls her time with the cult very well. While in prison, she was forced to drink pee, eat human flesh, bathe in the blood of dismembered babies, participate in ritual murder, and stay locked in a cage filled with snakes and spiders. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> Dark rituals are held in cemeteries, including one in which cloaked figures ripped kittens apart. Oh, it's amazing how we're like babies dying. Oh, that's oh whatever. Gross. Kittens dying. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> what is... <laughs> we are horrible people. When I was in Florida, the oh, um, God, where's this going? I know. <laughs> uh, we had these um, a pig roast. The department had a pig roast every year. Oh, good thing you're Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And part, like, one of the activities at the pig roast was, like, a mystery meat. So somebody always brought, like, a weird meat that everybody tasted, and then we'd guess what it was. And right. I don't remember if there was even a prize, if you guessed correctly. Did I you think. ask if it was kosher first and get, like, a hint? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, it's a ruminant. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so one year, we're all tasting the mystery meat, and people are, like, just yelling out ridiculous things. <laughs> and someone's like baby and everyone's laughs ha 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 that's really funny and someone's like manatee and like oh, how dare you <laughs> yeah, it's all turned how... on him <laughs> <laughs> oh baby's yep. fine yeah that's cool we don't care yeah. but a manatee fuck no <laughs> No, you can't you can't fuck the manatee over no absolutely not. i mean there are tons of babies around but manatees not so much yeah exactly like literally one in a million <laughs> <laughs> probably less actually oh uh, and i saw i saw them in florida they're kind of, they're not cute isn't the word but big lovable yeah really gentle lovable sea cows sea cows yeah okay anyway anyway back to crime, back to crime and torture Michelle was tortured for over a year. She was put in a car with a dead body that was crashed on purpose. She was kept inside a huge effigy of Satan. Her teeth were removed and horns and a tail were grafted to her body. She saw a Frankenstein type monster. Was there at like medical? Was there medical evidence of this? <laughs> of course not. Well, then, yeah, okay, all right. Uh, she was taken I'm out of school asking. for eighty-one days for a marathon ritual meant to bring Satan to Earth. The ritual failed, by the way, because Michelle oh. was able to resist the conjuring. Just to be a little controversial, I don't know. Trump's around, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Not saying that he's the devil or the or maybe no maybe he just he might be influenced. I don't know. I don't know. We can get hate mail all we want. Well, I don't care. <laughs> so do we even have an email address anymore? <laughs> we do. Nobody uses okay. it. We don't even bother. To I don't use. It. Of course not. <laughs> anyway, go on. Aside from my political ramblings. Um. Yeah. So of course, like in the book, Michelle remembers all of these. I'm going to say ridiculous things happening to her for which there is no evidence. Like, of course she didn't have her teeth ripped out and a Mm -hmm. tail sewn onto her and horns sewn onto her. Like, I feel like she's misremembering like a Halloween costume. Well, (laughs) here's the thing. A lot of the details she recounts, uh, sound like things seen in horror movies. Mm -hmm. Um, 
for instance, like she saw a Frankenstein type monster. This huge effigy of Satan is straight out of the Wicker Man. These like dark rituals involving bringing Satan to Earth. That's like Rosemary's Baby and like a, you know a ton of other movies. Mm-hmm. And so what's suggested here is that Michelle remembered these moments, having seen these movies, and then worked them into her recovered memories mm-hmm. of abuse. Um. It's quite possible she, in fact, was abused as a child. Um, but certainly it wasn't satanic ritual abuse. Right. Okay, so the book was a hit. Of course it is, because that's totally sensational. People eat this shit up. Yeah, so oh. Michelle and Pazder, who were married when the book came oh. out, went on tour. And soon enough, victims of satanic ritual abuse started coming forward and fear of evil Satanists, or there was uh, evil Satanists around every corner, took hold in communities across America. Um, because the living victims and witnesses were young children, the accused were often parents, teachers, and daycare workers. Of course. But really, a Satanist could be anyone. In an interview in 1989, Dr. Will Gutowski, who is a psychiatrist at Chilliwack General Hospital. Chilliwack is a real place. It's in British Columbia. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. <laughs> Just, it's a ridiculous name, also a band. Is uh, it really? Yeah, there's a band called Chilliwack. Oh. Look it up. Isn't Chilliwack, is, Chilliwack is like north of, um, what is it, Blue River? Like where Mike Wigley's ski organization is? Chilliwack is... It services close, mostly First Nation, doesn't it? It's close to the border with the states. Like okay. the border with Washington. I, totally the wrong direction yes <laughs> okay okay so never mind go on <laughs> so this dr gatowski he said that satanic abusers could be quote mayors lawyers doctors church people upstanding citizens end quote so anyone anyone he went on to explain the lack of physical evidence of satanic murder um by sorry he went on to explain that the that the lack of physical evidence of satanic murder Um, was because cults go into, quote, extreme detail in covering up the remains of people that are murdered, especially babies, end quote. (sighs) This this is a psychiatrist in 1989 basically stating that, yeah, satanic cults are real and they're just really good at covering their tracks. Yeah, like most (laughs) murderers are at this point who haven't been found out. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, in Martinsville, Saskatchewan, the satanic conspiracy involved the babysitting service and the cops. Uh-huh. In 1992, a mother noticed her two-year-old daughter had a rash. For whatever reason, the mother, who was a nurse, refused to believe it was a simple diaper rash. And Don't qu- go on about that. Questioned her <laughs> Nurses toddler. can be just as crazy as everybody else. Well, this this mother, she questioned her two-year-old daughter about it. And eventually the little girl said, quote, a stranger poked me in my bum with a pink rope, end quote. Uh, this little girl was often left with the babysitting service run by Linda Sterling. Mm-hmm. The nurse told the police, and they assigned a newly minted constable, Claudia Bryden, to investigate. When Constable Bryden spoke with other parents and kids from the babysitting service, uh, all of them said that nothing weird was going on. 
but Constable Bryden wasn't convinced. Uh, it should be noted that she had been abused as a child and was maybe motivated to find evidence of abuse at the daycare. Right. Uh, she teamed up with Saskatoon police officer Rod Moore, and together they elicited stories of molestation, oral sex, sodomy, and the threat of murder, all of which took place at the Sterling's home. Hmm. And these are young children. Yes, like below the age of five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if satanic pattern hadn't swept through the town, it certainly flourished inside the local police department. One night in April 1982, the cops were on high alert waiting for a gang of occultists to roll through town. Constable Mike Swan remembers it well. Quote, the chief authorized us to go ahead and bring in our own guns and just be as heavily armed as possible. End quote. Really? Yeah. They were, the what? chief told them that uh, to be on the lookout for the high priestess of this cult who uh -huh. had tattoos of scarab beetles on her wrists. Hmm. The gang, of course, was a no-show. Were there were they like Egyptian influenced, I'm guessing? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess because the scarab, yeah, yeah, is important in Egyptian. Yeah, Egyptian, literature. Egyptian. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay. We're just getting way too into way too much detail here. <laughs> right, go on. Um as the investigation into the goings-on at the Sterling's house continued, the police uncovered more disturbing information. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kids said they'd been stuffed into a freezer and sexually assaulted on a waterbed. One boy claimed an axe handle was forced into his penis. Another kid said an abuser had cut a child's nipple and then eaten it. Oh. Someone remembered being abused with a multicolored vibrator. Someone else recalled being taken to a devil church where they were forced to drink urine, eat feces, and submit to abuse. Uh, and were still, they had been driven there in a police car. Wow, these guys like really don't have a consistent MO in their abuse, do they? Not at all. Anything goes. <laughs> wow. I mean, why bother? I mean, <laughs> Sticking Satan's to just... Always, Satan's always been disorganized. <laughs> I don't know if it's disorganized. It's just... Buried. Random. Okay, true yeah. enough. All right. Uh, by the spring of 1992, Martinsville was full of rumors about a wild satanic cult called the Brotherhood of the Ram that had cops as members. Brown cut, uh, sorry, Brown, Crown prosecutors mm -hmm. were adamant that no one be arrested unless there was proper evidence. But the chief of police was convinced there was a satanic conspiracy in Martinsville. In June, this is 1992, Linda Sterling and her husband Ron were arrested, as was their 23-year-old son Travis and a female minor whose identity is protected. I don't know if she... I don't think she's a family member. Uh, also arrested were five police officers, including an ossifer named John Popowich. An ossifer? Officer? Ossifer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not even... I'm totally sober right now. <laughs> God. Well, that's all right. I'm uh, having a glass of wine, to be honest. But... Okay. That's fine. Enjoy it. Well, usually we have a glass of wine when we're doing these things. That's true. I just... Maybe you should have a glass Maybe of wine. Maybe I should. It might improve my diction. Okay. <laughs> Once the kids started implicating the police, they were shown photos of cops and uh, Officer Popowich was <laughs> singled out, along with four of his colleagues. 
the um all of the accused were charged with 190 counts of physical and sexual abuse. Wow. This is 190. 190. Yeah, that's a lot. The Saskatchewan Department of Justice created a special task force to sift through the evidence. It shouldn't surprise you to learn that the there, case there against no the Sterlings, <laughs> yes, and the others, it was full of holes. Uh, the only evidence the Crown had was the children's testimony, which was all fabrication. Mm-hmm. The Devil Church, the multicolored vibrator, the police involvement, they were all of it was made up by these kids. Wow. The Devil Church, uh, that came about when kids were shown a picture of a building not far from the Sterling's home. Over the course of a few months, stories about the building evolved into a satanic church where these kids were tortured. Mm-hmm. The, the vibrator came from a news broadcast. When the Sterling's house was raided, the police tipped off the press. Unsurprisingly, the police didn't find much except for some porno mags and a vibrator. On camera, the vibrator looked tricolored, and one of these kids saw that news broadcast uh, and remembered this colorful sex toy and incorporated that into the developing narrative about satanic ritual abuse. Um, Excuse me. Sergeant Rick Pearson, who led this task force, which looked into the evidence against the Sterlings and the cops, told the Crown... There was no way the evidence would hold up in court, but still, the cases went to trial. And they will mm. turn it over to you to tell us what happened. Okay. So, the poor Sterling parents were acquitted after a trial that lasted three months. I can't believe three months. I know. I know, right? <laughs> the charges, so Popovich, being Pop- Popovich was in a lineup and none of the kids could identify him. They'd never met him. Yeah, this is the police officer that they Yeah. They picked him out from a photo. Yeah. Yeah. And then the kids when they were when they had to pick them out in real life. Yeah. yeah. They had no idea. The charges against the remaining police officers were dismissed. The Jane Doe and Travis were found guilty and they were the, the charges were later overturned um because the children's testimony was basically coerced. <laughs> So yeah, what they did is like they they basically manipulated the the nature of the interviews, and so the kids would just kind of concede to you know admitting to things that never happened. Well, they want to give the no, right was, answer, there, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And yeah. there were no physical evidence of abuse because when you're that, you just want to please people, and that's what they were doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I mean. Margaret Wente, which I don't like as a columnist, but at least you got this right. <laughs> Have you ever read her shit? It's terrible. No, um, I read Rosie DeMano a couple times. I'm like, this was. She's like, Margaret Wente is like, I want to just, like, if I, she's like, I'm Margaret Wente, I would, it would take all of my effort not to punch her in the face. Oh my God. I just, like, there's, you know, those people where you're like, you're actually writing things I think they're kind of damaging. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I mean, I that's I guess what you do is like an opinion piece. Is yeah, like, when you're but I don't, Yeah. Okay. I don't know. She's and she's been proven over and over again to like not have credentials on shit she's writing and like a whole bunch of stuff. And there's been a whole bunch of controversy with her, but they keep her anyway. So whatever. So 
Anyway, so what about Margaret Wendy? Yeah, so she wrote Mr. Popovich was suspended without his job without pay, sorry, from his job without pay. His daughter was beaten up at school and relatives froze him out. He and his wife held garage sales and sold their possession to raise money. That's terrible. So, and, yeah, and like their kids were beaten up. Like that's tough. It, this, it ruined his life, this accusation. It ruined, it ruined their whole family's life. Yeah. So uh, essentially that the province was found of uh, guilty of malicious prosecution in 2002. Mm-hmm. If these cases went to trial. So essentially the province of Saskatchewan had to, um, uh, he was given, he negotiated a $1.3 million settlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, 500,000 had come from the individual prosecutors investigation and police involved in the original case. So suck it to them. Yeah. And then the government of Saskatchewan had to give a formal apology. So, um, and I think the justice minister actually, yeah, he did. He announced Apologized on to him. 2004 that the province would pay 925000 in Canadian funds. Mm-hmm. So for our American listeners, that's $740,000 roughly. <laughs> this was written. God knows why they even bother with that these days. Um, not as much. We'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> A little less. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, you know, so essentially... The Crown admitted that this case has caused suffering and upheaval in their lives and that they were supposed to, and for no reason, like it was basically just a whole bunch of people on a witch, like a literal witch hunt. Yeah. And it just, and the fact that it all just hinged on the testimony of these kids who were improperly questioned by a woman who was motivated to find evidence of abuse. And then just this like fervor kind of took hold and like the police chief in particular got like really caught up in this thing to yeah. the point where people are being put on trial for a crime that never happened. Yeah. And the police constable in particular took a bit of a hit and he was granted uh, a whole bunch of settlements from the, from the government and from the other um, people involved. And his lawyer probably said it the best. He said, no amount of money will ever compensate any of the plaintiffs in the Martinsville case. They were they were charged with prob- probably from society's viewpoint, the most serious type of offenses mm-hmm. that can be alleged against a person. I mean, sexual assault, sexual intercourse with children and then add the abuse element, which the whole Satan with the, and the whole Satanism aspect. I think we've forgotten just how chilling those allegations were. They were outlandish, but they were also horrific. And I don't think any amount of money will compensate any of them for the pain and suffering they went through. And I think that's pretty apt. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Um, and they have to get over like the emotional aspect of being completely lynched by their own community. Yeah. So totally. yeah, it's, it's pretty terrible. Um, so, you know, like Justin minister, Frank Qu- Quennell, I wanted to read it as Quirrell. <laughs> <laughs> He's got two pieces. <laughs> well, technically injustice. But... Well, that's true. <laughs> So Quirrell, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Quennell. Um, it was a unique period in just in North in uh, the justice system throughout North America. Knowing what we know about child vi- victims and witnesses, a case with similar circumstances as this case would have been handled differently. This case has caused suffering and upheaval in the lives of many, many people for more than a decade. This is truly regrettable. This is truly a regrettable situation. I extend my sympathies to Mr. Elstad and Mr. Revez. I think we've learned a great deal over the last 15 years about how to treat these cases. Way to go. Really? <laughs> I just, I... I just couldn't believe when I read the sentences, like how long these people had to suffer for. 
but just the fact, like, you know, if you go back and read over what some some of these kids were saying, mm-hmm. just in terms of the the abuses that they claim to have suffered, how could you believe any of it? And it's the same thing with the McMartin trial, when kids were saying all kinds of ridiculous stuff, like they were taken to Mexico for the day. Mm-hmm. And I have something about, I don't know, there was some weird thing about a pumpkin. But just like, there's <laughs> no way that these stories can be true. But people, and it's, there was this whole movement called Believe the Children that came, that, you know, sort of um, came out of all of this. And it's like, well, it's an outrageous claim that this kid is making, but you have to believe the children. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's what led to the persecution of the McMartins, the Sterlings, and the other people in Martinsville, and then the Kellers in Texas, who spent fucking 21 years in prison mm-hmm. for this yep. shit. Like, and, and I can't believe, uh, like, you know, 21 years in prison and they're like, you get $1.3 million. Are you like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> just, yeah. That's you not... should have the goddamn lotto for that. And this is, again, <laughs> where we have talked to, I think, Jacob on the amount of how things change, have changed with mm-hmm. uh, garnishing. So you have to go back to that episode to listen how the numbers are kind of dealt with because now yeah. people are getting larger sums rather than before well i mean there's the cost of living is you know it's just sort of costs everything costs more these days so they're going to get more there's yeah no there's a, there's all the inflation and stuff but i think that people understand that in general you know there's also compensation for wrong wrongly done like not just like oh you would have made this much and this is how much you earned it's also like how much damage have we caused your life and how much yeah, you owed a, pain, a, a price on pain and suffering yeah essentially yeah, exactly. is what it is. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. so anyway I, I thought that was a little little low <laughs> 1.3 yeah in 1994 no it wasn't 1994 when would he get a settlement 2004 yeah, like something, it was like, basically, it was like 2000 that he got arrested, or 2002 by latest, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, shitty for him. <laughs> yeah. But I think so. now he says, I mean, it was vindicating at the same mm-hmm. time, right? Because, you know, after the settlement and the apology and all of that stuff, um, Popovich was like, remember, I can, yeah. you know, I can walk around with my head held high now. So. Yeah. I actually know someone with the last name Popovich, and I want to ask them now if they're related. If they're related. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they, they like me. They're nice. They're well, they now. might not like you after that question. <laughs> I know. Are you this guy? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine if it were the same guy? Oh, my God. I'd be like, hey, is this you? And they'd be like, yes. I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, so, so that's Satanic Panic. So it all started yeah. with this book, book, this self-serving book, uh, <laughs> a Canadian book about a Canadian woman. Yeah. And then it just sort of yeah spread like wildfire and sparked off this huge moral panic, uh, yeah. and- pretty much all over the world, and the incredible television specials. That came mm-hmm. out of it. Oh my god! I will put up links to those because they're just so of a time. I will. And, I would love to see those actually. Like Harala did a special on it. The oh, like sure. Michelle and Pazder, they were on Oprah. They served as consultants 
in the McMartin trial. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So like, you know, they you made get a bank car, and you get a thing. car, and, and you, you get, get a car, worship, <laughs> and you get to go worship Satan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and Geraldo, surprisingly. Actually oh, yeah, issued he issued a retraction and an apology. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. for him for, for the reporting that he'd done on Satanic Panic in the nineties. Well, there's so many things that he should also offer. Um, the I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess beggars can't be choosers. I know, right? <laughs> I apologize for the last twenty years of my life. Um. <laughs> All right. So, Rach, do you have a weird crime for us? I sure do. Uh, you clued me into this one, actually. <laughs> yeah, I did. So... I read it, and you were like, we can't cover this. It's not long enough. I'm like, for a weird You're crime, crime idiot. Dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh. So, so this happened not too long ago. Um, <laughs> this is the headline. Butter bandits busted with $1,400 worth of allegedly stolen spread. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of butter. <laughs> it's a lot of butter. It sounds like you're saying like it's a lot of money. Like it's a lot of butter. It's a lot of, a lot butter. of butter. <laughs> no, it's no, no, it's actual it's butter. butter. It's literal butter. Product. <laughs> <laughs> so it's these two guys um, in Coquitlam, which BC. is in BC, <laughs> were caught with a shopping cart filled with more than $1,400 of stolen butter. Oh my god. So according to this uh, RCMP officer, things like cheese, meat, and baby food can easily be sold in the black market. There's a black market for this stuff. That's weird. Well, maybe because it's like, it's expensive. Is it though? Butter, I mean... Butter's not that... I mean, like, it's it's, I balk at the price because it's $5, but... That's just going to be cheap. Rem- okay, well, first of all, you're, we are pretty privileged in that regard. And when you're scrounging around with minimum wage and you're dealing with kids and so on and so forth, yeah, like to save that couple of bucks, yeah, I bet it is actually important. So it's like, so yeah, I think I think we're coming from, I think that's a pretty privileged statement to make. <laughs> if there's a black market out there, it's probably because it's required. I guess so. That's true. What do I know about these things? Yeah, not a lot, apparently. Yeah. I mean, um... <laughs> So I guess the, they suspect they were going to sell can, the butter you can on the. Use it to dip your lobster in it. And That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Which isn't kosher either, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't keep kosher anymore. Not that I I'm eating lobster every night. No, I know, but it still makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, so I guess the. the no one's really sure what these guys are going to do with the butter. I suppose the black market was one option. But this uh, <laughs> RCMP officer goes on to say, it's possible these suspects are choosing the wrong way to get a head start on their Christmas baking. Uh, uh, <laughs> or they might have a lot of weed and they want to mix it in there to make some baked goods and make actually a crap load of profit. See, like, that would be, that's smart. <laughs> yeah. They're like, man, getting an ounce is only like 20 bucks. Getting butter is like way more. I know, it's way more. (laughs) We need a shitload of butter for all this weed. I can't afford all that. I know, right? (laughs) They spent all my money on the weed. (laughs) I mean, it's legal now, but still. Like, they come out with like a garbage bag full of weed and like a 
shopping cart full of butter <laughs> to make more sense. <laughs> I could only pay for one. <laughs> I stand by my choice. <laughs> and then they get arrested for the butter and not the weed. <laughs> the fucking weed. Oh my well, god. Well, no, that's not true because they can actually because you're allowed 36 grams, which is like over a little over an ounce. Okay. That's actually a lot. <laughs> No, that's like, like that's your personal. You're allowed your to carry that much before you can be arrested for trafficking. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But your it's personal. Like, you think about like you're like, hey, personal amount. I'm gonna carry around an ounce. Like that's a shit we should just carry around. Anyway, um, have you got all a, right? So I have a weird crime. Weird a weird law. Yeah. So, uh, Rachel, do you remember when we had pennies? Of course I do. You still have a couple pennies? I sure do. What are you going to do with those pennies? Uh, probably nothing. Wow. I can't do anything uh, with them. Nobody, no one will well, accept them. If you're thinking of like melting them down or like making a statue out of them or doing something with them, mm-hmm. I'd like to tell you that it's illegal to deface or damage a current coin. So even though your pennies are there, you can't flatten them on train tracks or poke <laughs> a hole in them or deface them in any way. Really? But what am I supposed to do with all my pennies that I didn't get rid of when I had the chance? You use them as a doorstopper. <laughs> or you can throw them at people. Yeah, I'd rather melt them down and build a copper effigy of my dark lord. Oh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> Back dark to the lord. Satanism. <laughs> yeah, which dark lord is that? Oh, there's so many. Oh, okay. Satan's the main one. Cthulhu, maybe. Cthulhu. Yeah, see, that would be a better one. <laughs> Hard to get all the tentacles though. Uh, I don't know how many pennies do you have. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think the coin star might still take pennies. Maybe. I'd have to look into it. I do have quite a few running around. But you get all those American pennies mixed in all the time. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, it is real. Well, the coin star sorts that for you. Yeah, and I also take like 10% of it. Well, do you want to roll the coin yourself and take it to the bank? No, of course you I don't. Have, I have done that in the past sometimes. <laughs> Me too. It's sad. Blood. But when I have a ton, yeah, I know, right? You're like, here's my change. <laughs> no. I came over here, so I came out west with like $55 in change because I was like, I need to get rid of this. I was thinking like I'd buy like a, a beer gear or something there. And, you know, like uh, from our other ones, I know that it's illegal or that people can refuse payments in nickels or anything over $5. But it's yeah. like for loonies, it's $25. And I was like, oh, I could totally do this because I have a bunch of toonies and loonies. And then my friend Wendy was like, oh, I could totally use those for my kid's school because she sends them to school and stuff. And I was like, sweet. So we just made an exchange. Made <laughs> Coins for cash. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. So if you have coins, send them to my friend Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the coins for cash business. Exactly. Ugh. Otherwise, yeah, I got I got nothing else. Do you? Mm, nope. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I guess I've been Shelly. Uh, I've been Rachel. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch, uh, we do, in fact, have an email address that I do, in fact, look at sometimes. So, <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. I, I do. do. Uh, you can write to us at truenorthcrimepod at gmail.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at TNC underscore POD. And we're on Facebook which I think is also a true North Crime Pod. So there you go. Yeah. Different ways to 
get in touch and stay in touch. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Stay safe out there. Yeah, try not to join any cults or anything. Yeah. <laughs>